morning, church. Welcome to the best Sunday ever. Come on. I absolutely just love that song. I always want to know here, who was wanting to get out of their seat and get a little Jesus jam going? Come on, just, it. just get it going on, get a little rhythm going. Come on, come on. Man, uh, I heard that song about a year and a half ago, and I told my son Riley introduced it to me, and I said, there will be a series about that song. I mean, it's just phenomenal. If you listen to the lyrics, it's absolutely true. Uh, man, I love just being here with you. It's a Sunday morning, and what does that mean, search for a Sunday? Sundays are what? absolutely our fun day. We love to come and worship and sing and praise us to an awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. But today, it's kind of like a super Sunday, right? We get to finish up here and we get to go out there and have some food and fun with our kids. It's the best Sunday ever. If you are new with us today, welcome. Man, welcome to Vertical Church. I'm pretty sure you're thinking around, like, what in the world did I just walk into this morning? They're playing rap music and service. Um, it was all, if you listen to the lyrics, it was actually gospel-driven. Um, but we love the fact that you're here today. We hope that you were made to feel welcome and wanted, that you're going to hang with us after service outside, enjoy some fun with us. But most importantly, I pray that when you walk out today, you know how much God loves you through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen, church? All right, this morning, church, we're obviously jumping in this series called Fanatics. It's a series that I'm stoked for us to walk through as a church. It's a series that I hope that ignites you and fuels a passion of Jesus in your life to give you the foundation to live the next level life for him. Because here's the truth. Even if the world rejects us for who we are as Christ followers, if they disregard what we believe or try to silence the truth of Jesus Christ as God's children... We have a calling in our lives. Come on. There's a calling in our lives. In fact, I, it doesn't make a difference if the world may call us fanatics, but the reality is when it comes to following Jesus, it's just another day with him, right? I mean, we are sold out followers with him. Here's a definition of fanatic as we walk through it this morning. You get an idea where we're going. A fanatic is a person with excessive enthusiasm or zeal for religion, a fanatic is a person that is marked or motivated by an unreasoning passion for a cause. A person, a fanatic is a person who is intensely extreme or beyond normal limits. That's our definition for a fanatic as we walk through this series. A fanatic is someone who is, who is over the top passionate, passionate for what they believe in or who they believe in. You with me, church? Friends, we live in a world that champions this kind of behavior. We live in a world, a culture that extreme enthusiasm is celebrated and expected in life. We can be crazy as we want about our favorite things in life. You know, I think about, I'm going to talk about sports teams this morning. We can crazy about our sports team and no one thinks twice about it. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, some of you witnessed in my life uh, you might have saw something on Facebook, a little video of me. My wife secretly recorded me pacing in front of our television and uh, watching the Dolphins play. And when they won, I was fist pumping, hooting and hollering. And then she put it on social media. I said, what are you doing? Did anybody see that? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm, oh, just a two. We'll keep it at that two, right? Uh, no one needs to see it. I'm stoked that she didn't give the 20 seconds earlier because that's what really crazy was out of the box because the Dolphins did win. Yay. Um, you should be excited with, for me about that, right? <laughs> but think about it. 
right? We, we, we get excited. We champion what we're passionate about. We get enthusiastic with these things. Um, when it comes to sports, we buy all the gear. We buy the hats, and the, the jerseys, the T-shirts. We get a new guy on our team. We buy a jersey with their name. We love them so much. We buy season tickets at times, and we go to the games, or we sit at home, and we scream at the television, like, what are you doing? I can't believe you dropped the ball. Or, come on, run for that touchdown. And we're hollering, and we get ourselves hoarse, right? And no one thinks twice that that's anything wrong. That is normal behavior because that's what's expected from us. We're passionate about something, so go absolutely bananas about it. You know, I've been at a, recently I was at a couple high school football games, and uh, I was at one where the refs were not making the best calls during the middle of the game, and I had a guy behind me that was shouting threats to the ref saying, you better have a police escort while you leave. I'm like, what? <laughs> this guy's crazy. You know, he's a fanatic, right? Uh, growing up, our sons played little kids soccer. And we'd go to these games and they would play their games. And along the sideline would be these, these yard signs that say, parents, relax. It's just the game, right? I mean, we're talking like five years old, seven years old, and I'm sure they're there for a reason that some parents got all up in some coach's business about their kid not playing or how that one kid tripped in, ref, you're not seeing anything, and they get all excited and start yelling at everybody like, yo, chill out. It's just the game. But we walk in a culture, we live in a society where that kind of behavior is champion. It's absolutely normal to lose your mind for things like that. People expect, oh, they're just passionate for what they believe in. But you bring, you bring that to the same, that same mentality when it comes to church. When the church brings that same mentality, the same passion and enthusiasm in life, where the relationship with God, call, God's calling in our lives and our desire for people to know Jesus, we're told to back off. We're told, to, you know, you've gone too far. You are crazy, right? It, you, you are a Bible thumper. We're called names. You are a Jesus freak. You, you lost all forms of reality. Just keep that Jesus stuff to yourself. So the world champions this behavior. When it comes to Jesus, tell us to zip it. What about inside the church? Those of us in this room this morning who, who are followers of Jesus, how do we act when we are challenged by Jesus Christ to live the same sold-out, crazy life out loud for him, right? As, as we do when we go to the Gibson Southern or Golden Aces homecoming games. You know, you laugh because you know what I'm talking about. Homecoming was both of them this week, and then when they scored a touchdown, the crowd goes, wow, you were there, you were screaming, oh, come on, let's go, let's go. What do we do when we're challenged to live that same kind of behavior for Jesus, for people coming to Christ? I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that people coming to Christ is so much more important than someone scoring a touchdown. Someone say Amen. The truth is when it comes to Jesus and his life-changing, soul-saving message, we are called to be more than fans. We are called to be more than fans. As I open up this book and hear the words of a risen Savior and talking about how we're called to live for him, he has called us to be fanatics. Fanatics. 
Because truth is, we go to these sports events and we have our teams and all that kind of stuff. We are fans. We, we get excited and we celebrate. But what it should fail in comparison of us championing Jesus in our lives and the message we're called to share with other people. Now, if you want to be challenged with this idea of fandom, uh, we just dropped a new book in our merch store called Not a Fan by Kyle Edelman. It's not a new book, but it's a very convicting book. You want a convicting book. If you want to find out what it looks like to be a fan, he calls us out pretty quick. It's in the, it's in the merch store. Grab it after service. Um, if you're here this morning and you're invited to 10 Best Sunday Ever, you came because you were invited and you've wondered why these people constantly invite you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends. This is why. We are called to be fanatics for Jesus. They care about you so much that they're willing to look like they're crazy. So you come and hear the message of hope, the truth of the Son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for you. In fact, if that's you, you are here this morning. You're invited by a friend. This is your first time with us. We love the fact that you're here. I would challenge you to come back for this entire series. Come back to this entire series. We're going to three more weeks after today because each week we're going to be digging into the scriptures deeper and deeper to the life, what it looks like for someone who is truly following Jesus. And I believe if you join us for this fourth part series, that when we get to the end of it, you're going to understand with more clarity why you're your crazy neighbor, right? Your classmate, why, why are they nuts so about Jesus? I believe you're going to walk out with an understanding like that is why. That is why they are the way they are. This morning, we're going to walk through this understanding of why we are out of our mind. Why, as Jesus followers, are we out of our mind? You ready to jump in this, church? Yeah. All right, open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're starting at verse 10 this morning. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you'll find it on page 790. 790, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, or page 790. By the way, if you grab an orange Bible on your way in and you do not have one, please take that. That is our gift for you. If you saw them and, didn't, and you don't have one, you can grab one on the way out. It's our gift to you. We desire for you to have a copy of God's word in your hand. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 10. As we get there this morning, you open your Bibles, your Bible app. 2 Corinthians was written by a follower of Jesus. His name was Paul. And Paul was writing to the churches in Corinth. And as we step into the middle of chapter 5 this morning, that's where we'll be at, Paul is sharing his desire to go home and be with the Lord. Understand that his physical body is temporary, and being in heaven with Jesus is where it's at. But then he proclaims and declares that whether he is here or with Jesus, he wants to please God with his life no matter what. But what he shares next in verse 10 is pretty sobering. So you can see it on the screen or look in your Bibles in your hand. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due, due us for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. Let me just stop right there. This is a reality for all of us in this room. That one day, this life will be done. There's life and there's death. There's no way around it. In fact, what's that saying that we've heard? I've heard a hundred times or many more than that. There's, there's two things that are, that are true in life, death and taxes, right? I pray there's not taxes in heaven. Lord, did you hear that one? 
I threw that up to you. But that's the reality for us. Paul uniquely sets us up for this conversation this morning, you know, the clarity, reality that we live and then we die. That every single one of us in this room, we have life, and at some point that life will end. And we'll stand before Jesus to give account for what we have done with our lives. Now, if you're here this morning, and you're invited and you don't believe in God or all this religious stuff or Jesus... That may offend you, like, why is he saying this? I find that bunch of garbage. I want to ask you to not tune me out until you hear the rest of this conversation now. Because the reality is, I'm sharing with you why we are so crazy for Jesus and why we are so crazy in front of you. So I want you to walk through that with us. Verse 11, it says, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Let's stop there again. Since we know what it means to fear the Lord, that one day we're going to stand before Jesus, every single one of us, because we know what is true, what is coming for, in front of every single one of us. We desire, as followers of Jesus, to take as many as we can with us to heaven, right? We're not, we're not about building vertical church and making all sorts of big. We're about filling heaven with saved souls. You know what I'm saying? What is plain to God, what we are is plain to God, and we hope is also plain in your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen, what is rather in the heart. Verse 13, if we're out of our mind, as some people say, it is for God. If we're in our might mind, it is for you. Let's stop there again. Right there it is. If we're out of our mind, as some people say, well, so what was happening, Paul and his posse were traveling around the Macedonian area in his journeys, and they were planting churches, they were preaching the gospel, people were surrendering their lives to Jesus, but what was happening in that process, people were coming to him, his life touched them, and they're like, that dude is crazy. They looked at what he was saying, what he was proclaiming, this is his risen Christ, he said, he is out of his mind. We can learn from that. We can learn from that. So church, I want to ask you, to tell you, actually really quick, a fanatic is someone who is out of their mind for Jesus. We can learn from what Paul's life, they expressed it, they said it out loud. So the question I have for you, church, are you a fanatic? For Jesus. Are you out of your mind for the risen Christ? What would the person next to you say? If I was to stop and ask that question to them about you, what would they say? What would your coworkers say? What would your neighbors say? Say Would they say, yeah, they're, they're sold out crazy for Jesus. Students in the room, what would your classmates say? Do the people that come across your life experience an almost, almost uncontrollable passion for the one who gave his life to save your soul, to give you life eternal? Is your life, are you a fanatic? Are you out of your mind for Jesus? 
It's a very convicting question. Listen, I'm not talking about street preaching where we're, we're screaming Jesus in the face of people as they're passing by. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying when people walk by, we need to smack them in the back of the head with the Bible and say, take that! But our lives, do they scream Jesus to anyone who comes across them? A fanatic life screamed Jesus by how we live. Are you so in love with Jesus Christ that your life is lived radically different than the accepted or the tolerated behavior that the world's pushing against us that people think that we're crazy? What is the priorities in your home? What is the priorities of your time? What is, what is the foundation, the basis of most of your conversations? When God gives you the opportunity to share Jesus, and I believe he gives every single one of us an opportunity to share Jesus, when he gives us that opportunity, do we step into it and embrace it, or do we shrink back out of fear? Because we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being persecuted. By the way, we don't understand persecution in America. When it comes to sharing Jesus, we, we might be persecuted. We might not be invited to the next barbecue at a friend's house. Say la vie. Make your own barbecue. It's not persecution. But normally what happens is we, God gives us opportunity and we shrink back fear. We let fear win. Because we have an image to keep with some friends and we don't want to disrupt that. So we do nothing or say nothing. Students, I believe right now you're probably walking through one of the hardest seasons for life for you of living Jesus out loud. You're walking through these transformative ages where people are making friends and you can be accepted or rejected and all this kind of stuff. I believe that you're in a very important spot in your life to say what you actually believe. Do you know that just Wednesday coming up is see you at the pole? Where you have an opportunity, God's given you an opportunity to stand around a stinking flagpole and proclaim who you are in Jesus. Publicly proclaim that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That you pray for your teachers, you pray for your fellow students, you pray for the administration. God's given you this opportunity to do just that. And let me just tell you, we touch multiple schools around here, not just Gibson Southern, multiple schools from this church. And I would imagine the, the swarm of students that could be around each of our school flagpoles praising God together. Imagine what that would look like. October 5th, just around the corner, is National Bring Your Bible to School Day. What? Bring my Bible to school? Yes! Just imagine if every student in our school districts who know, love, and follow Jesus brought their Bibles to school, ready to share their faith and the power of God's word in their life, how they choose to live. Imagine what that would do. Imagine the influence you would have. Listen, it might not be the socially popular thing. 
You may lose some friends over it. But just imagine if Jesus just didn't reign in your life, but he reigned in the lives of the other students around you, that he reigned in the lives of the teachers who are educating you, he reigned in the lives of administration who leads our schools. Can you imagine? Friends, it would be a hostile takeover of the gospel in our school districts. Amen? And listen, I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to be hard-pressed. That you might be shunned by people. I only know that because when I was in school, I was a jerk on the other side. And something has bothered me for the last 30-some years. I had friends in my life, people that I graduated high school with, they were telling me about Jesus, and I pushed him in the face out of the way. So I don't say this lightly. I know it's going to be tough. But I believe if you are you're brave enough, courageous enough to stand up for what you believe, be a fanatic for Jesus, God's going to show up in your life in amazing ways. Adults. You thought I was just going to pick on the students, didn't you? You're like, yeah, keep it going, Rich. Talk to my kids. What about you? Right? How are, how are you living this out? What do the people in your life around you know the most about you? What do they know most about you? Is it your favorite football team? Is it your business? Is it your career? Or is it your Jesus? When someone sees you, what do they think first? Man. People will think we are crazy because we are followers of Jesus. And they'll think that we're crazy because as followers of Jesus, we've experienced something supernatural that the natural cannot explain. Because think about it, people fear the unknown. People shun and push away what they don't understand, and I get that. I was the same way about God until God made it plain to me and called me to himself. So don't get frustrated. There's a good chance that you shunned him off too when someone was telling you about Jesus. It's going to happen. But because we know what is true. Because we know there's something after this world, something after this life, that we want people to come with us, we need to step up. Live it out loud. People will think that we've lost it. Who cares? Who cares what they say? Who cares what they think? Don't shy away from the truth that you and I have been called to proclaim. A fanatic is out of their mind for Jesus. Paul, the guy that we're reading about this morning, wrote this letter to this church, calling things out, saying what it is. This dude was under house arrest. He was arrested for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. 
And while he was under arrest, he was brought before the Roman governor Festus, and King Agrippa was king over Judah, and he was telling them, he was telling them, said, listen, you need to hear what happened to me, man. It's, it's supernatural, but you're natural. We've got to tell you about this. I experienced this risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and he's telling them about this life transformational moment. And while he's telling me, he's all excited, his defense for what he's doing, Festus jumps up. Look at this, look at this. Acts 26, 24, it's on the screen. Look what, what Festus says. You are out of your mind. So when we go and tell people, like, you don't understand what Jesus has done for me, when he, what, what he's doing in my life, people are going to say, you are out of your mind. Your great learning has driven you insane. Well, maybe Paul's life doesn't push the right buttons for you. What about Jesus? Anybody love Jesus around here? Is that the fanatic response? <laughs> Jesus, when he was proclaiming to be the good shepherd, he was God. And being God, that he knows and loves and leads his sheep, which is us. And that he was willing to taste death so we can have life. He was deemed crazy and demon possessed. Look at John chapter 10, verse 20. It says, many of them said, what was that? He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why should we listen to this guy? He's crazy. Jesus' own family. You can read it later. Church, read your Bibles. Go back and dig into this. Mark chapter 3, verse 20, 21. His own family said that he was out of his mind. So why... Should we think that people should think any less of us? That we're out of our mind, crazy for Jesus. Reverend Billy Graham said it this way. When you bring a grand and glorious abandonment to your dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to be thought by many of your neighbors to be mad and have gone too far in religion. Let me just tell you, Billy Graham was a fanatic for Jesus. Are you, church, a fanatic for the one who was a fanatic for you? It says in the book of Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still rejecting him, hating him, pushing him away, he looked and says, I love you so much, I'm going to get nailed to the cross for your sins. So surrendering to me, you can have life. That's crazy. And he asked the same for us. He asked the same for us. A fanatic is out of their mind for Jesus. Continue reading verse 13. Let's go back to that. It says, if we are out of our mind, as some people say, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he, and he died for all that those who should live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Point number two, a fanatic 
believes the message is greater than me. The message is greater than me. Here's the why. Here's why we are out of our mind. Christ's love compels us. His love compels us to live this way. What he's done for me, what he's done for you, and anyone in this room accepted Jesus, he died for us. He died for our sins, conquered the grave, and that sold-out love that we, he's done for us, he's called us to live that same sold-out love for him and his message. We are compelled. We're no longer living for ourselves. We're living for him. To compel means to be thrusted out, to be intensely convicted, to seize control by the truth. That we are living so captivated by Jesus' love, we can't hold it in, that his message needs to be told, and we need to be the ones to tell it. In fact, later on in verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, though that in him we might become the righteous God. That in him we become the right standing with God. We're called to die to ourselves. That our personal desires, some of the things that we want to go off and do our own thing, no. Are we living sold out lives? The one who sold out his life for us. And if you're here today because you were invited, you need to come to the best Sunday ever. It's going to be amazing. This is what you need to hear. Those who invited you, who continuously invite you, love you so much. They care more about your eternity than their own reputation. Consider them crazy. That's fine. But please understand why. Let's go back and walk through some of these verses, kind of pull this out together, back to verse 16. It says, from now on, from now on, we know no one from, we regard no one from the worldly point of view, though once regarded Christ this way, we no longer, we, know, we do so no longer. Let's stop there again. There was, there was a time where we didn't believe. Every single one of us who said we're a follower of Jesus in this room, we, there was a time where we didn't believe. Where we looked at Jesus the same way the world does. They see Jesus as a good guy who died. But in fact, if you go back to Acts 26 later on, uh, actually 25, Festus says their argument is about this religion thing and about a dead guy named Jesus, which Paul says is alive. We looked at Jesus the same way. A guy who people said who died in Jesus' life. But now we know the truth. Now we know the truth that Jesus is alive, that we serve a risen Christ. History has proved this, eyewitnesses to the truth, and he lives in our lives, and our lives have been changed forever. 
So we once look at God in this way, in Jesus' way, but that change, what Paul is saying, is that we should do the same. We should be looking at people the same way we used to look at Jesus and say, they need him. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Let's stop there again. Come on, I mean, surrendering our lives to Jesus has changed everything about us. Everything. We have been redeemed. Colossians 1.13 said, I've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's a change. We have been forgiven. Our broken souls have been healed. Our eternal zip code has changed from hell to heaven. Our earthly desires are being triumphed over the power of the transformed life of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, we are filled with indescribable joy and praise. In Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. Just start talking to someone about that. That's crazy talk. What do you mean the Spirit of God's living in you? What was in your Cheerios this morning? Right? The Holy Spirit, he resides in us. He gives us strength when we're weak. He brings peace when we're anxious. Love in place of hate. He takes someone who is filled with absolute rage and fills them with absolute compassion for others. That's what Jesus has done for me. What has he done for you? We are a new creation in Christ. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. And all this is from God, verse 18. Who reconciled him, us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his plea, his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is why we need to be crazy sold out for Jesus. He did it all for an opportunity to come to him, and we are his ambassadors. An ambassador is someone who stands in and, and stands for what they believe. They go to, most times they go to hostile areas, hostile territories. And they say, no, this is what's going to happen. Regardless of what other people think. Regardless of what other people are saying. What's well, the same for us as we're walking with Jesus? We're his ambassadors. We're going to go into hostile territory, which is called the world, which is at work which is a store, which is at school, and we need to stand our ground and proclaim the truth of Christ. Why? Because we're out of our mind for Jesus. And maybe right there is a place for you to start in your small groups this week. Start that conversation with your fellow groupies. And talk about saying, am I out of my mind for Jesus? How do I know? What do I need to change?
we are out of our mind. A fanatic is out of their mind for Jesus. Because we know what's coming for every single one of us. Being hated or named by a fanatic by a few fails in comparison to the soul saved of many. And by the way, Jesus said very clearly that we will be hated because of him. We need to be fanatics. Because that's what God has called us to be. Can I just take a second to speak to those who are in this room this morning who are listening or here with us? This is why we're crazy. This is why we're crazy for Jesus and for you. We desire for you to experience the new life that we have received in Christ. Remember, we were where you're at right now. I believe in God. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's there. A higher power, sure. But maybe today's the day your eyes are open to the truth. Jesus died for you. We know what's coming for all mankind. And we're willing to look like fools to share with you the greatest message ever given to mankind that Jesus saves. We might be out of our mind for God, but we are in our right mind for you. We all live. And there will come a day for all of us when this life is over. When I ask you this morning, are you ready for what's next? Are you ready for what's next? Here's the thing. When it comes to Jesus, the Bible, and God, and all that stuff that we believe, if we're absolutely wrong, what have we lost? Nothing. We lived a pretty good life. But if it's true, which we believe it is, if the gospel of Jesus is true, that the only way to spend eternity in heaven with God is praying and surrendering your life to make Jesus the Lord, and you decide to put your foot in the ground and choose not to, what do you lose? Heaven. Billy Graham said this as well, to neglect the cross of Christ to ignore eternity toward which we are all moving is the height of madness. And to disregard salvation through Jesus Christ is the most foolish of all foolishness.
Now, he didn't say that to be mean. He said that because he cares about you, your eternal soul. So I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you walked in because you were invited and you just wanted to get your neighbor to zip it <laughs> or your classmate to leave you alone or you, know, you heard there was free food so you showed up who doesn't love free food. And you're saying, Rich, I, I, I hear this. I hear this, but I don't know. You don't know what I've done in the past. You don't know what my life was like or what it's like now. Maybe I'm not worthy of Jesus. Friends, none of us are worthy of Jesus. That's why it's called grace. It's a free gift. Or maybe you don't know everything about everything when it comes to Jesus, but you're ready and you're not sure what to do. Listen, I've been studying his word for 20-some years. I don't know everything, okay? And I went to seminary. You don't have to know everything. You may want to try. It's never going to happen. This is what you need to know. That Jesus is the Son of God. He came and lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for your sin. See, sin is anything we do when we live outside of God's design. We live outside of his word. And sin separates us from God. And when there is sin, there needs to be a sacrifice. And Jesus said, I'm going to sacrifice my life for you. And that's what he did. He went to the cross, a brutal death. But he did it out of love for our sin, my sin, your sin. And then he went in the grave, and three days later he rose, conquering death. And all we need to do is turn and surrender our lives to the risen Christ. To start, maybe today is the first day. <laughs> maybe today is the best Sunday ever. Because today you made a choice to follow him for the rest of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you for letting Paul write this down to challenge us to be out of our mind for you. Regardless what the world says, regardless what people think, who cares? Because what you did through your son is a fanatical thing to begin with, and you just call us to live the same way. So I pray, Lord, as we walk through this series, we are, we are challenged that you give us the foundation for that next level of walking with you may it be real and God I know there's people in this, with us this morning who are trying to figure that out what it means to follow you and I pray Lord right now 
as they're contemplating this, that you are opening their eyes, the truth of your love for them, that you are calling them to yourself. And if that's you here this morning, you can just pray along with me here in just a second. Make the decision that would change your life forever. And then you can join the rest of us crazies. Crazy for Jesus. Simply pray this, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. I've lived for myself, ignoring you. Today's the first day, Lord. I turn from my old life. I turn to follow you. I surrender my life in your hands. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he rose again. And today, I make him my Lord and my Savior. Now right now, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come forward. And if you are in this room and you made the decision to follow Jesus with our eyes closed and head, heads bowed, would you just raise your hand? God, we thank you for what you're doing in your church. This is your church. Thank you for working in the lives of those of my family in front of me. I pray that you don't stop. I pray for those individuals who raised their hand or those who prayed and didn't raise their hand, that they would come forward and talk to our prayer team this morning. The first step of after surrendering is to share that truth with somebody and we want to celebrate with you. God, I pray that you help us get out of our own way, that we become what you desire us to be. When people see us in our lives, that the first thing that people they think is that Yo, Rich, yeah, he's crazy for Jesus. We love you. We worship you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. God bless church.